Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another incredible episode of Market Impact Insights. So when you think about situational awareness, and we we apply that to our personal lives, and it's all about understanding the context of the surroundings we're in, and then making the choices and really executing the behavior that's appropriate for the context. So that's situational awareness. And we're going to talk today about this idea of situational awareness in the context of this rapidly evolving technology and artificial intelligence. Really fascinating and very rapid in terms of the development there and how that's really transforming businesses. And I'm so thrilled to have Karen Scott joining for the conversation today. Karen is a very accomplished marketing leader and past colleagues have described Karen as an inspiring leader, a force of nature, and heart and fire personified. Now, Karen has held senior marketing roles at some of the leading companies in technology. Uh, She was the vice president, head of global marketing at Flexport. She's led marketing at AppDynamics, uh, Logic Monitor. She's also had senior marketing roles at Cisco uh, and at Salesforce and uh, currently serves as the chief marketing officer at CloudSpot, the first physical world digital transformation platform. So we're going to dive in to the technology uh, aspect of situational awareness and AI. We're also going to uh, talk with Karen about her marketing career and get some of her insights as she has uh, progressively taken on more responsibility and really driven growth for these technology companies. So I'm thrilled to have Karen joining. Uh, Karen, hello from the Bay Area. Welcome to Market Impact Insights. Hey, Dan, thank you so much. I hope I can live up to that fabulous introduction there. Well, Karen, let's go back to the beginning of your career. I always like to uh, understand a little bit more about the guests on the podcast of what really motivated them to pursue their career path. And for you, it's been a very accomplished marketing career. So can you give me a better feel for what inspired you to really focus on marketing as your uh, chosen path? Yeah, thanks for the question, Dan. Um, You know, I I like to say the career found me rather than I found the career. Uh, I started off my uh, professional pursuits as a trained journalist uh, and worked for a bunch of news organizations and uh, and quickly felt very confined um, from one way of communicating and one way of writing, which is hardcore news. So I shifted into the PR world. And quite by accident, uh, my agency that I was working for got a project from a very little known company, I'm going to date myself now, called uh, Videologic, which was based in the UK. And it was the first digital video adapter card that enabled us to have video on our computers, right? So I, I'm, all, I'm now very antiquated uh, in terms of years <laughs> on the earth. Um, but nevertheless, I was sort of blown away by that and, and really captivated by how technology can really change the way, and this is going to give you a flashback to Cisco here, but it stayed with me, how people live, work, learn, and play. And and that really inspired me, and I have followed that mantra in every career move I've made. How can I take the technology that I'm working with in the company that I'm working for and find a way to market it in, in one of those four value propositions? 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Karen, you're describing your stint in broadcast journalism. That's something you and I have in common because I, I started out also, I was in the radio business for a while before shifting over to marketing. And one of the things that I found is, you know, in, in broadcasting, they, they talk about connecting with your audience or thinking about an audience of one, right, in, in terms of how you're communicating. And it, there really is a, a strong applicability. And you think over into creating the storytelling and the messaging that happens in marketing, isn't there? Exactly. Yes. And I was lucky enough to have my undergraduate degree be in psychology, my graduate degree being in journalism. And so I have always used both the ability to communicate, as you say, you know, through the written medium and also in the broadcast medium with an understanding of how people think. Because as you and I know, having spent so much of our careers in marketing, it's all about how you position the value prop and the message to an audience or audiences to generate a response. That's that's the end game. So true. And as you mentioned, you know, you've had this amazing experience in marketing uh, over a long period of time. And what are some of the ways you've seen that marketing function evolve over the course of your career? Yeah, I mean, the biggest shift that I have seen uh, throughout the the years that I've been in marketing, in particular in, in, in tech marketing, is marketing was always thought of as an expense center. Um, and that shift has been pretty dramatic in most organizations anyway, to thinking of marketing as a revenue generator and a revenue center. And I think that's been a very important shift that I've seen and an important one as organizations think about ROI, investing in marketing, and where marketing really sits in the organization. Um, you know, one of my most amazing epiphany moments was when I was working at Salesforce and, uh, and learned this concept of putting marketing people on quotas, which you don't normally think about, but, but what they did there was quite brilliant, and I've taken that with me in every, every job I've had since. The quota isn't dollars and deals closed. The, clo- the, the quota was really on new business meetings. So forget about clicks, forget about views. Those are interesting, but they're not really relevant. What's relevant is if a marketing activity or series of activities or campaigns can get a prospect to a place where they're having a meeting with a salesperson and the salesperson accepted that meeting, that's the metric that I think matters because that's the metric you can later tie to revenue, won or lost, right? And that's really the big shift I've seen. Yes, marketing spends money, but organizations that think of it as money to generate more money, um, you know, have, have, a, have a different view of marketing. Yeah, I've heard many people describe it as really the convergence of art and science where there's really been more uh, science uh, that that's come to the forefront of of the marketing discipline. Yeah, it's science and and it's data, right? And and so the other shift aligned to to the one I talked about um, is the emergence of all these amazing Martech tools, right? Martech stack gets a bad rap sometimes, but there are so many amazing tools uh, at our disposal today that weren't around 10, 15, 20 years ago, right? To predict intent, to use as we talked about earlier, you know, AI and ML to understand digital behavior, right? Because the world is digital and most shopping is done digitally and most research is done digitally to listen for signals and to make automated decisions that Dan did these five things. So maybe the next logical thing is X, let's serve him up X. Makes the job of marketing um, a little bit more on the science side, but it, it makes it easier in some sense because data always tells the picture, I think. Right. And really having access to richer data means uh, better decisions, better data-driven decisions, right? Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, through your career, you've worked at some of those really large, well-known companies that I mentioned at the open, uh, very established, uh, very large scale. But 
now you're really in this fast growing startup. You're, you're really at the leading edge. Um, so much different kind of environment. And I'm curious, Karen, what are some of the biggest challenges that you found in making the transition if you're coming from a bigger established company to then being a marketing leader in a very young company? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think there's there's both challenges and, and immense freedom and opportunity that comes with that. So I'll talk about both. Um, on, on the challenge side is the concept of time and process collapses, right? Uh, you and I remember in the days at, at, at working at Cisco, because it was such a large organization to get a program or a campaign into market literally took 26 weeks. We, we reverse engineered it. I'm sure they've changed the process now, but this was way back in the day. Um, and that's a long time. The market moves so quickly and perceptions and new products and new options come so quickly that if you take that amount of time to gin up a beautiful, perfectly crafted campaign, you might actually miss the opportunity. So when you're in a small, agile startup um, where time and rules to some extent and hierarchies are flat, you have the ability to go ahead and, and try a lot of things. With the freedom, of course, comes responsibility. And, and to your earlier comment on data, you know, you need to take calculated risks um, and sometimes you need to do 80% and go. So those are some of the challenges. The other challenge too is, you know, going from building and leading fairly large organizations, you know, 60, 70 people and that sort of thing to suddenly, you know, being and doing basically everything with a, a skeleton crew um, is a big shift, right? So you have to be at that place in your life where not only are you architecting and concepting and designing, but you're actually out there doing. And um, and that's actually energizing for me. Yeah. And it's much more hands-on, isn't it? You're, you're actually right there in the trenches and day-to-day having to be more involved probably in some of the tactical as well as the strategic decisions. Yeah, that's what I meant by architecting and doing. You know, the, you don't have somebody to stitch the campaign together. You write the copy, you do the press release, you pack the boxes, you unpack the monitors, you do, you know, everything and anything and then some. But it's it's a very energizing experience because everybody in the team is in there with you doing that too. And I would also think with that streamlined resourcing that the application of the continuous learning, you mentioned the calculated risks and you've got the data to assess results and impact. But the, how do you apply the learning from those calculated risks? I would think that just everything gets accelerated, doesn't it? That's what I meant by by the time continuum. It does get accelerated. The, the, the good news is because you fail so much more frequently, uh, you learn so much uh, richer and deeper, right? And to your point, you know, you always have to stop and say, what worked, what didn't, and let's regroup and move forward. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's not unlike the battle analogy, right? Not to be trite about it, but when you're in the midst of uh, combat and you're being assaulted from all around, you know, it's, you have to take those risks and, you know, move pretty quickly or you're going to be out of the market. Well, let's shift the conversation to the technology. And there's been so much buzz, so much conversation about artificial intelligence the past few years. And in, in looking at CloudSpot, a, a real innovator, and this concept of situational awareness, AI, and but there's an intelligence component to that. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about what does that really mean? How does this relate to that pervasiveness of data? Where is all of this headed? Yeah, the way we like to think about it at, at CloudSpot and the way I sort of internalize it is, 
data is now everywhere. It's literally like oxygen. It's it's everywhere. Every my mother walks around with three devices, right? She's got the iWatch, she's got an iPhone, she has a a laptop, an iPad. Everybody is slinging data. Every device is slinging data and capturing data. Carbon offsets, uh, electricity usage, footfall analysis, video cameras. There is so much data that's out there. And what we have found is the common challenge all organizations face, whether you're in public sector, private sector, finance, healthcare, whatever, is, is really the same, Dan. How do I swim through that sea of data and extract the nuggets that are meaningful to me so that I can drive the engagements I need to drive with those people who are slinging data off of those devices, right? And so back to your comment about the definition of situational awareness, it's really understanding the environment and the data and the events and the people and the humans that are in that environment and and using that data in a meaningful manner, right? The, where the AI and quite honestly, the ML, the machine learning piece comes into it, and this is where the CloudSpot pa- platform fascinated me so much that I, I had to take this role, is imagine the ability to ingest data from basically any source, right? Whether it's a temperature scanner, I'll, I'll use the, uh, the the COVID analysis, right? Because we're living in that time right now. Imagine being able to contactless, touchless scan somebody's temperature and understand if they're wearing a face mask and understanding if they're going to be six feet apart if they go from here, you know, to the break room and, and all of these different things to help inform and educate that experience. So it's safe and healthy. That's that's one example. So being able to ingest all that data and then use it to predict actions and to offer up engagements uh, is a pretty exciting concept. And so that's that's uh, that's what CloudSpot's about. And that's how we're using the data and the AI application of it. So just as a follow on to that, Karen, as you're out having conversations mm-hmm. uh, out in the market, uh, this how are people reacting when you kind of walk through all of the potential and the possibilities? Is, is it an easy conversation or, or or is it really taking some time for them to really digest and really appreciate it? What, what's the dynamic, you know, in terms of that conversation? Yeah, it, 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 of course, as always with anything, it depends on the audience and who you're speaking to, right? Whether it's the, the technology folks or whether it's the business folks, but the, the commonality of everyone understanding the challenge is the same. No one disputes that. The unique thing about CloudSpot, and this isn't a product pitch, this is just sort of defining and answering your question. Um, and you know this from your years in technology, the way people have solved those problems is creating siloed one-off applications for each piece. So back to my my example before, there's plenty of solutions that can figure out how to get your temperature without touching you. There are plenty of solutions that can detect face changes, emotion, motion, you know, uh, mask wearing and all this kind of stuff. But to build them and cobble them together and make them work securely on the edge of your network and then make them connect out to your business applications, Slack, Zoom, you know, Salesforce, the Tableau, whatever it happens to be, that takes a tremendous amount of time, energy, and money. And by the way, if there's one upgrade to one piece of the chain, we all know what happens there. So to have a platform software SaaS solution that handles all of that um, is something people have been very receptive to. They're very excited about it. It is really exciting. And you mentioned COVID earlier, and we're starting to see some of that light at the end of the tunnel as Certainly, as uh, 
the population in the U.S. and, and globally uh, trying to, to think about what how is this going to shake out in terms of a recovery and businesses as well. And you, you touched on some of the really interesting applications, you know, where you're helping in the way of really um, transforming the experience in terms of the COVID treatment. But I'm wondering, uh, are there other benefits, other possibilities um, in terms of this technology and what it's going to mean for helping businesses really fully recover from this pandemic? That's a great question. Um, so a couple things there. You know, first of all, I think the the concept of work has changed forever, right? There's a renewed focus on health and safety and quite honestly, wellness, you know, emotional wellness and, and all these other things um, that are here and they're foundational to any business uh, going forward, uh, whether it's education, you know, a city park, a business, whatnot. And that, that has come forward in every conversation we've had. Um, the focus on, on going back to the office, and we've seen this from companies like Salesforce and others that have talked about it, you're never going to walk down rows of cubicles that are people smack on top of each other ever again. I doubt that's ever going to happen. You're going to have this hybrid model where work and the borders for work have vanished, right? People mm-hmm. Zoom. Yeah. You're going to start to see technologies where, where virtual reality is used, where I could book a seat next to you in a conference room, but I might be at my house and you might be in the office, right? To create that water cooler collaboration experience that you really can't get from a Zoom and whatnot. So I think the nature of work has changed quite a bit. And I think businesses, at least in the conversations we've been having, understand that and are beginning to plan for that because sadly you know, the next thing is going to happen. Hopefully it's nothing as devastating as COVID, but if we look back in history, there's always the next thing. And so this is a great way for us to all take a pause and think about how do we prepare our environments and our spaces, whether they're physical or virtual, so that we have the agility to to still, you know, move forward when the next thing happens. Right. And Karen, are there some specific vertical segment uh, applications or evolution that you see uh, relevant to this? Yeah, the ones that are getting the most uh, uh, interest right now, uh, and we see this in the news every day, um, is reopening businesses. How do we get businesses open and people back in the workforce and engaged and uh, in the economy again? Uh, and tied to that is how do we get the schools open, right? Parents can't go back to work if their children aren't in schools and and get that experience and make both of those safe, innovative, and engaged, right? Use all these technologies to engage, create a connected student experience, create a connected employee experience. Those are the two that have come to the forefront. I mean, CloudSpot was founded in 2016. So of course we weren't purpose built for this, but we have shifted our business quite a bit to uh, helping our partners create those kinds of applications because those are two that are really in the forefront. Right behind that, the next two that we are starting to see come into what I call the lifestyle experience, right? You know, I was mm-hmm. listening to, to some of the governors in their press conferences talk about how do we get stadiums open? How do we create, you know, the fan experience, right? As, as part of key in the American culture and make people feel comfortable doing that, you know, and how do we get people back in brick and mortar, right? Retail, that, that's that been the lifeblood of a lot of our economy. So those are the two that are sort of quick behind um, opening businesses and opening schools. Yeah, really interesting. And I know you're a big thinker and you're always looking ahead. Are there some other trends that you've been keeping a close eye on and how they're reshaping business strategies? Yeah, that's a great question. And and there are a couple things that, that I've been you know, watching pretty closely. One is 
um, social responsibility and diversity, you know, equity and inclusion. Sadly, this has come to the forefront uh, on the heels of a lot of the unrest we saw in the past year, sadly, that that, that led to people losing lives and all sorts of things. Um, and the rise of that bubble came, you know, because social media is so prevalent and everybody and everything is connected in real time. And, and I see a lot of business leaders thinking about how do I create that environment in my business, in my DNA, in mm-hmm. my value system? Because it's going to be a differentiator when you think about retaining top talent, recruiting the next gen. I mean, I have kids, you know, in their 20s and and they would never think of working for a company that doesn't have very strong ethics around diversity, equity, inclusion, fairness, social responsibility. And I think that's become a key pillar in everybody's brand. So that's kind of one. The other one that we spoke about already is redefining what workplace workspace actually means, right? This remote, hybrid, virtual how does that impact real estate and capacity planning? How does that impact, you know, uh, expansion of the talent pool? This to me is fascinating because people can work from anywhere. Your talent pool isn't now just people within an hour drive of your campus, right? You can source talent anywhere and everywhere. And I think that in itself leads into diversity and equity, right? People who can't afford to live in the Bay Area, you know, now might be able to get jobs at these companies in the Bay Area, even though they live, you know, someplace else. Um, so that's another one. And, and the third one that fascinates me, you, you mentioned I did a, a couple of years over at Flexport, global logistics company, which was fascinating. I'm, I'm so mesmerized by all that. The supply chain is going to be reinvented, right? As borders begin to vanish, as real-time inventory and, and distribution supply chains uh, evolve. I mean, we saw that with Amazon, right? And I think that whole logistics management space uh, is going to reinvent in a very exciting way that will enable businesses of all sizes, not just the big enterprises, to compete. Yeah, the diversity, equity, inclusion. Just so many organizations. It's just it's top of mind. It is a priority. And the other thing I was thinking about, Karen, is just you think about uh, bringing new employees in any company that's growing or hiring new employees. So much more of that onboarding. It's interesting. Is now virtual. You know, then the traditional come on in, uh, sit down face to face. But in our current environment, and probably in the future, more of that is going to be relying on technology, uh, the providing of information and context for the onboarding. So it seems like there's a human element there too, just around how um, we get new employees to acclimate and really uh, get them engaged in the culture of right. an organization. Right. And, and to tie AI to this, I read a really interesting article in The Economist a couple of weeks back. Um, if you can use AI to predict behaviors, can you use it then to identify and select out things like discrimination? Right. And it was actually pretty fascinating because they, they had a hypothesis that they proved that shows you can actually do that. So think about that in terms of wow. companies building out there there and walking the walk in terms of how they identify and predict likelihood of things like discrimination and not being equitable and all of that. It's pretty interesting. Something definitely to watch. Well, Karen, we've had just unbelievable a number of challenges, a lot of unknowns over this past uh, year with the pandemic. But despite all that, when you look to the future, what makes you optimistic? There are three things that make me optimistic, um, and these are not necessarily in priority order. You know, one is, um, and maybe just because I've walked the earth for a long time, humans are amazingly resilient. 
I mean, if you think back to all of the tragedies and difficulties the human race has encountered over the generations, we survive, we bounce back, we find a way to internalize the challenges, learn from the lessons, you know, and, and come back stronger. And I believe that will happen here uh, in spades. So that's sort of number one. Number two is, you know, again, I mentioned I, I have kids, I have two kids, I have two stepkids. Um, it's been an amazing opportunity with any number of them being at home for periods of time during the shelter in place to see this next generation internalizing and really being inspired by how to bounce back and how to move forward despite with unimaginable things. I mean, imagine not having a high school graduation, right? My stepdaughter actually didn't have a high school graduation or a prom, all these moments that, that I know are meaningful to you and I. So I get a lot of inspiration and energy listening to them internalize and talk about what lessons they've learned, right? Um, and the last thing, and it's a bit tongue in cheek, but it's real, is my Peloton, right? So I went ahead and bought a Peloton because I wasn't going back to the gym. And uh, every day I really do hear inspirational words from those instructors, right? T today's word uh, that really is meaningful to me is never be afraid of failure, but be terrified of regret. So uh, there you go. Humans bouncing back, my children and my Peloton. <laughs> well, that's definitely worth remembering, and it is uh, inspirational. And and you know what? Uh, looking ahead, uh, you, you're so right. I've got kids in their 20s as well, and that generation, and they're entering the, the workforce. And what I still see, I see this element of optimism. I, I see this element of confidence, and it's just it's uplifting for those of us that have been around for a while. It, it really is, even despite uh, all of the uh, stress. That the pandemic, there, there just seems to be this energy. There is an overall positive energy out there. It's pretty amazing. I was having a, a conversation with my stepdaughter back in in the uh, in the spring, where we were looking at, you know, had just bought the the dress for the prom and all this kind of stuff. And I genuinely felt really sad, thinking she's being robbed, uh, along with the whole generation of these milestone experiences. And her answer blew me away. She said, "If this is the worst thing that happens to me in my life, how lucky am I?" So again, it's just amazing to see how they look at these, what I would think is a pretty big milestone and a, and a loss in my life and try to find the positivity in it. Absolutely. Well, as we wind down the conversation, Karen, do you have any other final advice for business leaders that are seeking long-term sustainable growth? Yeah, the, the thing that's always um, mattered uh, in my decision-making is, you know, agility and humility, right? And you and I learned the humility thing best from John Chambers, <clears throat> excuse me, John Chambers, yes. who led our organization. He was probably the most humble leader ever. Um, but, but if leaders can really be humble, understand the perspectives of those around them in their ecosystem, uh, I think the right answer always, always comes forward. Absolutely. Well, Karen, thanks again for joining and sharing your experiences as a accomplished marketing leader and this exciting possibility of what artificial intelligence is going to mean for businesses and for all of our lives. Thanks again for sharing. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on your show, Dan. I'm, I'm super grateful to have the time. And a reminder to all of you to please make sure to go out, rate and review. Give us the gift of feedback. If you like this podcast, you can easily do that out on Apple Podcast. And as always, Make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.